Okay, welcome. This is our first official episode of our new podcast. We have not actually come up with a name for it yet. We could call it Our Uncertain Future to coincide with our collaborative uh, substack. What do you think, Eric? Should we do that? Do you feel any sort of a need to uh, introduce yourself and let people know who's talking? Well, I thought first I should introduce the name of the podcast, and then I realized that we didn't actually have a name for the podcast. But this is Johanna DiBiase. And I'm Eric Mack. Okay, we did that part. And now, what's the name of the podcast? Yeah, I like our, our uncertain future. I think that's a good place to start. Okay, so I'm going to do the intro. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. Do our uncertain future. All right, so we've got our first official doo-doo <laughs> intro out of the way and uh, whatever else that was. It was a little flat there at the end, but I think that, that can work for now for okay. our intro, our musical intro. I'll make sure to get that cleared with licensing. Okay, thanks. Well, that's the thing, beauty of it. You don't have to clear it with licensing because I just made it up. So it's not copyrighted yet. You stepped on the joke, but okay. What are we talking about today, Johanna? Um... We are talking about our first episode, which we're going to try. At this point, we've decided we're going to try to do an episode for each Substack post or each newsletter on the topic of the newsletter. Our initial construct is to do 30 minutes, completely raw, unedited, just blabbing, because for some reason we think that will be interesting to people. And Not a lot of podcasts do that either, so uh, <laughs> it should be quite innovative. You're being sarcastic, right? Don't I don't want to step on the joke. I don't want to step don't on your joke again. Don't explain the joke. Yeah, I didn't want to step on your joke again. Um, well, the real reason for this is so that we do not create extra work for ourselves. That is part of the hashtag off-grid lifestyle is that we want to make it easy. We don't want to have to spend a lot of time doing audio editing because we don't have a lot of time. Right? I know you are a professional podcast producer, so I just want to make this clear at the beginning so that people don't think this reflects your um, skills as a editing, audio editing genius podcast producer. This is totally raw. It's on me. I take full responsibility. There's nothing I love more than kicking off a project with excuses. Yes, yes. go on. Keeping expectations low from the start. Okay. <laughs> So that means that today's podcast episode is about solar flares. That's what that means? Okay. <laughs> because it's having to do with the most recent okay. post. So I totally read your article like five times and I know so much about it, like really detailed science, all kinds of really great things. The article that is where? on Substack at OurUncertainFuture.com. Thank you. And I know everything about it. But let's pretend I don't. Let's pretend that I was a little bit lazy ADD brain and I just skimmed it and I didn't totally read it all the way through in oh great detail. God. Let's just pretend. Okay. <laughs> We're just pretending. It's not true. And you needed to explain to me what the article is about in short 
for other people out there, not for me. I already know because I read it. Uh, so the, the idea is that um, we are – so we're ramping up in something called the solar cycle. And this is – going to make this as uh, unboring as possible. I see you looking at Instagram. <laughs> I was already getting distracted see, and you hadn't started. <laughs> two sentences. I see you looking at your phone. Okay, sorry. Go, uh, go. So the, the solar cycle is ramping up. Look, it happens uh, every 11 to 12 years. Uh, we go through a period where the sun basically gets a little bit surly and shoots off uh, more solar flares and these other things called coronal mass ejections because it was named by scientists. We'll call them CMEs. I like coronal uh, mass injections. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. that's not, it was <laughs> ejections. Oh, uh, either way, it's uh, good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, these uh, these are just big blasts of basically uh, radiation and uh, energetic. Uh, particles, just energetic space stuff. It's like literally light and electricity and energy shot from the sun at the earth. And uh, every 11 years, it it just goes through a cycle and apparently always has. Um, And so the thing is, the last cycle um, was, it was a really tame one. So that's like, that would have been uh, the mid 2010s. Uh, it was really tame. Uh, we didn't get any like crazy huge solar storms. By the way, uh, when all this stuff from the sun gets shot in our direction and when it arrives at Earth and collides with our magnetic field, you get these things called geomagnetic storms. Uh, and unlike some really, really bad sci-fi movies, um, these don't really these don't really threaten human, uh, or animal life in any way because of our magnetic field. Right. So, but what it does mess with is anything electrical. Um, so that could be the grid, uh, and, and it could be things in space in orbit that aren't particularly protected by our magnetic field. They're beyond it. Uh, so what I'm getting at is it's been almost a full generation because the last time the solar cycle peaked was tame. That means the the last time we've really had a serious cycle of these solar storms, you got to go back to like 2003. So almost 20 years, almost an entire uh, generation, right? And so what's happened in the last 20 years since we had like some intense solar action going on? Suddenly, we rely almost completely for everything happening in our world on space, right? On satellites. Everything goes through satellites, your cell phone calls, your internet data, transactions, banking. Uh, This podcast is going to get bounced off satellites. So we're completely dependent as a society on satellites. As opposed to in 2003. So in 2003, there were definitely satellites and satellite TV and the internet to some extent was getting, telecommunications were getting bounced through space but i mean the thing is it's our reliance on the internet and on satellite communications has increased i don't know exactly but i would guess like a hundredfold yeah like there's I... literally thousands more satellites in space now than there was wow and i think i only had like a flip phone in 2003 right and a digital camera i mean it's not even so much about reliance on satellites as it is reliance on the internet which relies on satellites right is the way to think about it um and yeah, we know how reliant we are on the internet because it went out in Taos not too long ago. 
mm-hmm. and it was like we lost all access to media the whole town basically shut down we couldn't do anything totally um and and so we've already seen actually some of this happening from this particular cycle uh it was about about a year and a half ago a a solar flare that wasn't even that strong it was longer duration than normal but it wasn't that strong uh and it took out a whole bunch of uh newly launched starlink satellites you know that's uh elon musk's big internet broadband internet space thing um so and that was literally just a, a moderate flare and that took out a fleet of satellites so like the point is we're like kind of in uncharted territory here how long uh, do they last for these solar, these surly sun solar flare ejections? Um, they. Can, I mean, in a, the the span of these ejections, how long do they last for? As opposed to like one ejection. <laughs> some sort of entendre that I, you're no. just hoping will land somewhere. No, I'm not. I don't know why I'm calling them ejections. It just stuck. These solar flares, the CMEs. How, so how? I mean, how much do we want to get into the science of it? Because no, those I'm are just two different things. Curious how long a span they go for. Um, in other words, not much science. I don't want to get into too much. It almost it almost doesn't matter because it's they could be a couple minutes to um, a few hours. But so, if you said there was one a couple years ago, how for how long, how many years? Oh, the cycle? Yes, thank you. The cycle, that is the word I was looking for. Um, so, you know, it, it's this. It's supposed to peak the amount of sunspots, and the sunspots are what produces the flares and the CMEs. Um, that's kind of what you go by, is how many sunspots there are on the surface of the sun. Uh, and that's supposed to peak sometime like 2024 to 2023 uh but it's all we're already seeing like some intense solar flares so it could arrive early it's not really other than knowing that it's going to happen in this like kind of rough 11 year cycle Mm -hmm. it's uh it's kind of hard to predict but we're we're in like the i mean call it a couple of years where you could get like an intense solar flare accompanied by a CME at any point that could knock out parts of the grid and and or satellites. That could happen literally at any moment between now and the next three to four years. Okay. Yeah. And have scientists um, theorized that this is going to happen? This is something that we need to be concerned about? I mean, there's nothing to theorize. That's a thing that's that's happening right now, and it's happen- been happening in a cycle like as long as we've been observing it since the 1750s. So it's. I mean, as far as knocking out the grid, the intensity of it, that's that's like science 100. percent It's happened. Well, we know it's happened in the past. So like the the like ultimate um, event in terms of the worst solar storm slash geomagnetic storm that that we've seen in in modern times is this thing called the Carrington event in 1859 um, when there was barely anything electric but the reports at the time were uh, that aurora borealis which is another side effect of Mm, of these storms that's a good one um, that they could be seen so the stronger the storm the further south you can see 
aurora borealis because they're typically at the at the poles right nice uh but so 1859 like crazy solar storm uh you had global aurora like visible like in the south pacific which basically never happens uh there were reports of telegram lines lighting on fire and working even when they weren't attached to their batteries so you basically have a huge blast of energy from the sun that like for for a second or a few minutes basically made the entire uh atmosphere uh, electromagnetic to some degree wow that's um and i'm now that you're talking about this were you in alaska in 2003 yes we met in 2003 right so this was happening do you remember the crazy there was one night where there were just like wild northern lights and the whole sky was just red with lights and then they we learned later that they had seen them all the way down into the lower 48. Do you remember that? Yeah. And this is, I mean, this is kind of the origin of my fascination with this is during the last intense solar cycle when there were a lot of flares and these things going on, we were up near the Arctic Circle in Alaska and the radio station I was working at, we were actually having to deal with a lot of, we were getting knocked off the air oh, uh, no. quite a bit. The our, and it was, uh, we were getting knocked off again because our satellites were getting interfered with uh, by this. So we had, like regularly had to plan for getting knocked off um, off the air by the satellites getting basically over overpowered wow. by the sun. Um, and this was in the summer? This was 2003. I don't remember if it was in the summer. Yes, it was in the summer. I feel no, like it was, it was yeah. in the summer. I mean, we don't have a lot of darkness in the summer, so it's not the best time in Alaska for seeing northern lights, but you do see them sometimes in the summer. But I just feel like when it happened, I wasn't with you, and mm. we were not together often in the summer. Okay. Because you would stay behind and work, and I would go... Do my thing. Right. Does that sound familiar? Anyway, nobody cares about this. Let's move on. This is one of those moments where I'm trying to figure out well, okay, those so one timelines. Thing, one thing on the timeline you might remember is around the same time, 03, 04, we could look it up later, but there were some some serious power outages. They were in New England and also in, in Scandinavia, and that was mm. from... Um, from these geomagnetic storms okay this is all very cool though our our substack our do i just call it our substack what do i call it our post our newsletter our newsletter newsletter sure our newsletter yeah. our newsletter is about living off grid mm-hmm. so let's tie this back to hashtag off grid lifestyle i know i'm a 48-year-old woman who says hashtag before she says things, and I think it's hilarious. I think if you say hashtag, people are going to assume you're a 48-year-old Yes, woman. and yeah. I don't care. I'm going to own it because I think uh-huh. it's hilarious. I'm also going to use acronyms like BT-dubs and LOL and OMG, and I own it. Go ahead. Well, I, th- I think you have to ask the question first. How does this, what is this Oh, the off-grid with- thing. Okay, yeah, 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 right. You're welcome. Um, so, yeah, like the... Uh, you know, one of the main impacts of all this solar activity is that uh, it it affects the grid, right? So you can think of you can think of the the grid on the ground. Uh, we talked about how it affects satellites, but you can think of the grid on the ground almost as like an antenna 
because it's all these wires stretched out over miles and it acts almost like as an antenna and it picks up the grid itself picks up um, more of this energy when it when it gets through the magnetic field gets all the way down to the surface when there's really strong flares and, and CMEs uh, it, it's going to affect basically um, the largest uh, interconnected uh, bits of wire and electronics and that is the electric grid mm-hmm. and so uh, that that's why you get outages that's why there are outages in 2003 there was a really famous huge outage in Canada from solar flares in 1989 that was mm-hmm. a gigantic one um, so why do we care because um, our, our our grid notoriously um, our infrastructure, particularly in North America, uh, aging, not necessarily uh, redundant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're more likely, your your solar panels and your off-grid stuff could still get fried by a really intense solar storm. Okay. But you're more likely to have less damage than if you are connected to, to the grid because the grid is essentially a bigger antenna that's going to amplify all this energy floating around from the sun and you're more likely to then damage some circuits or some equipment. Okay, that makes sense. So if you're off the grid and you've just got your own system, it's it's still possible that there could be damage. It depends how intense and just like the different conditions. But you're more likely to be okay. Um, and fortunately, there's usually some warning with these things. Um, usually... Uh, the solar solar flares reach Earth in less than 10 minutes because uh, they travel at the speed of light. But it's the CMEs, those ejections that you really love, mm-hmm. that uh, tend to do the most damage to the grid. And okay. that is um, that is literally just supercharged particles that float around space. And those will take anywhere from two to four days hmm. to get to Earth. So there's some notice. So okay. if we were to have like a massive like X20, and these things are measured like uh so m c flares are minor flares m flares are moderate flares x flares are like extreme just think of it as ex- extreme okay. x flares Hashtag you're smiling at me because it's nerdy <laughs> but like Hashtag it also <laughs> all you need to know is like if you hear about x flares so x is extreme and then the higher the number the more powerful it is Okay. So, so far, there's been a few X1s. I'm going to hear about it because I read all of your CNET and Forbes articles. So, I'm totally going to hear about if it there, before it happens. I mean, if there's like an X20 solar flare, that's excellent clickbait. And it's going to like wreak some havoc. So, okay. if you see that in the news, like, and you're off grid and you're keeping up with this stuff, know that th- there will then be predictions of how long it takes to get to Earth. They're kind of notoriously hard to predict. But just know that if you're off grid and there's a massive flare coming our way, X20. you've got a couple of day X20. You've got a couple of days to basically disconnect everything. Mm, mm-hmm. um, Can you like ground it or something? I mean, I think the smarter thing to do is is to take your panels, disconnect them, because you, otherwise um, they're going to blow up and you're going to need to replace them. Like, are you going to lose your whole system or what? Your whole solar the more things power are, system? The more things are disconnected from each other, the less likely that, there, that there's going to be damage. Right. So particularly things that have like the – like the panels are going to be probably okay because there's not a ton of uh, like really sensitive components in there. Okay. Um, Batteries might get blown up. 
wiring I, in I don't know, maybe. Electrical it, it's, wiring. It's more like the components. So like the inverter and the charge controller okay. in your system would probably okay. be the things that I would worry about. Okay. If you want to get like really crazy, and this is in our post, uh, you could build like big Faraday cages. And like, I'm sure there are some like off-grid people that are all about this and excited about the idea of building Faraday cages. It's basically just like putting, um, I can't even explain it, but putting all of your, um, all of your uh, equipment in a, in a little or literally metal cage that's constructed in a certain way to repel electromagnetic okay, charges. That's for the hardcore. So that's for the super hardcore. But for like, the rest of us, when we hear X20 could just disconnect everything. Right. So here's, here's the levels of hardcoreness. Minimum hardcore, which is where we would be, is okay. We're going to keep an eye on this and like you know disconnect stuff before the the geomagnetic storm arrives, right? Okay. Hashtag uh, minimum hardcore. Right. So probably just going to be fully charged up on your batteries and just plugged into your batteries for nice. a couple of days when the storm. There's a lot of places you go to Space Weather Live and get alerts of when these storms are starting. So then that's maybe when you want to go to candles and unplug okay. your laptop so you don't want that stuff to get right, damaged. Right, for sure. So that's that's minimum hardcore level. Okay. Um slightly more hardcore level, you can actually Medium act hardcore? Medium hardcore would be you can go online and you can buy electromagnetic pulse resistant um components for your system. So you can actually buy parts to uh, add to your solar system or whatever that make them resistant to electromagnetic pulses. Um, they're expensive, but not stupid expensive, but expensive enough that I'm probably not going to do it. Okay. Hashtag uh, don't bother. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it just depends. Like if you've got like really sensitive, valuable electronics. Right. Or you have a um, really big system. That's and you really need to keep the electricity going. Yeah, right. If you've For got, some reason, you have. If you've to got like uh, you connected. know medical, yeah, you have mm -hmm. medical equipment. That's nice. a lot. Yeah, you know all these things are reasons to to consider the deluxe package, the supreme package. Not that we're selling any of this. Uh, the supreme package would be like throwing everything in a Faraday cage, which I don't know. I can't even begin right. to contemplate that. Okay. Thank you. That information was really helpful. I think it's great um, for off-grid people that we had some hot tips. Hashtag hot tips. I'll stop saying hashtag. Please. Okay. Um, <laughs> also recognizing that you, when you're doing a podcast, like totally raw style for a certain amount of time and you don't want to have to go back and edit it, that there can't be any dead air. Also, though, I, that's okay because you can't have any dead air. Why are you looking at me like that? If I stop talking right now, because I'm wondering where you're going with this. That was that was a total digression. I'm gonna come back. I'm coming back around. I have a game to play with you. Okay. Okay. This game is called. It's called Utopia or Dystopia. They're always the same. They're always happening side by side at the same time. They always have been. But go on. I'll entertain it. Oh, you're such a philosopher. Okay. In this game. You have to imagine the most utopic um, result of solar flares, of X-20 solar flares, and you have to imagine the most dystopic result of X-20 solar flares. So you really, I know you said you were tired. 
uh, you're making a face at me like it's confusing it's called imagination we're going like sci-fi speculative okay it's a game all right I'll, do you want me to give buy you some time to think about it you could choose whichever one you want you could go dystopic or utopic no first. but okay i don't understand i don't understand the we're literally talking about a kind of of natural disaster right. so you're it's like i asked you to say all right, we're talking about tornadoes. Tell me about your tornado utopia. Okay, I'll give you a tornado utopia. Okay. Um, Greenville, Kansas. Greensburg. Uh, thank you. Tornado tears the town apart. Okay, it's sad. Everybody died, but now they're building a whole... <laughs> Not everybody died. Sorry, a lot of people Kansas. survived. Jeez. Most people survived. Now they're building a... Um, Ecotopia there. They're building a whole eco-village that is tornado-proof, right? Um, or a utopia might be a situation where the entire electrical grid goes down and everybody realizes that um, their entire existence is meaningless and everybody goes back to the land and starts farming in small communes. I'm just saying, those are just examples. So like you want to know cuff. how I would take advantage of the... Uh, so this is the... If the you can't think no, of a utopic, then just go to dystopic. What's so this the is, worst case scenario? I just find that could be a little So this is the... Uh, an emergency is a terrible thing to waste uh, philosophy of... Uh, of uh, social studies is that what we're talking about here the the dick cheney school of no no emergencies should be wasted um i don't know what you're talking about but it's just a game where you stretch your imagination to consider what could be the best uh, a good thing that could come out of it like but if you want to just do worst case scenario, then you're welcome to do that. I just didn't want to be like a total downer. I mean, okay, so the thing that would be good to come out of it, I, I guess, would if if we did have like some, say like say it destroyed Starlink. Um, not to there you go hate on you, SpaceX you found too something much. Good, but I'm just uh, kidding. <laughs> no, I mean Starlink is actually very useful. Elon Musk completely loses all his money and goes bankrupt. No, um, no, so I mean. And, the fact is, Starlink is like the the best thing that we've you I've seen used for like search and rescue missions. So I mean, it, it had it's been good in Ukraine, but let's just say that um, Starlink went down, and that was like the thing that we had. Uh, so the good thing that could, could come of that is just some some better. This is going to get even nerdier. Okay. Some better some better orbital space management because mm -hmm. right now space is just completely the wild west. There's all kinds of rules governing. Um, how to get something to space like you have to go through a million uh, different regulatory hoops to launch something okay. to space for good reason rockets are all pillars of fire um, but once you get something to space there's not a whole lot governing like how you navigate your satellite how you make sure it doesn't crash into other things um, which is particularly uh, a little disturbing if you pay attention to this kind of thing, which brings us to the potential dystopia, the worst case scenario, mm -hmm. uh, which is, uh, you know, imagine that there was a super powerful flare that took out. There's probably there's over ten thousand satellites up there at this point. Wow. Something that, or I'm, I'm sorry, that's not right. There's been over ten thousand satellites launched in history, and most of them, or at least parts of them, are probably still up there. 
Doesn't they, matter. Are Lots they of stuff like in space. all up there banging against each other? And so it's like space junk situation up there. Right. So it's like a space. It is a space junk thing. Most satellites, you know, they do their thing for a while. When they run out of fuel, they should slowly be pulled back down towards the atmosphere and they burn up in the atmosphere into nothing. And it's actually fine. Um, bigger satellites, it's a problem. And if you had a bunch of satellites, that all of the sudden became immobilized and couldn't navigate to avoid collisions. If that happened all at once, like in the case of a huge CME, geomagnetic storm, um, they could be colliding into each other. And when they collide into each other, they smash up into a bunch of smaller pieces. And those smaller pieces cause more collisions that cause more collisions. And you get this cascading effect this thing that's called the Kessler syndrome. Mm. And it's also the plot of the movie Contact, if you want to, uh, you know, envision this. It's in the movie Contact? Yes, where there's collisions that, that lead that to movie. more collisions because it's focused on the two astronauts. But what's going on is there's a collision and that leads to... Oh, gravity. Gravity. Did I, what did you I say? said Contact. Sorry, gravity. gravity. Also a good movie. Yeah, yeah that bad. was what I was thinking. Gravity, yeah. Single word space movie. Uh, yeah. uh, gravity, yes. Uh-huh. Uh, it's the plot of Gravity. Um, and so you have this cascading amount of collisions in orbit where um, there's basically too much junk up there and all acts, basically everything operating in space is destroyed. No more satellites, no more global telecommunications and no more access to space for a certain amount of time. So it very quickly knocks us back into the dark age, commu- dark ages communication and information and technology wise um, you know, perhaps in less than a day. So that's the utopic. That's the dystopia. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, <laughs> For yeah. me, I'm all utopic. Right. <laughs> Let's go back. Yeah, I mean, maybe. No, I'm not totally like anti-modernity, but um, I do see some benefits in us being, you know, remembering our dependency on these things and kind of going back to a little bit more... I don't know, independence from technology and electronics, like a balance, more of a balanced lifestyle, I think would be healthier for humans. So that's why I'm making that joke. But okay, well, that was, I think that was really awesome and informative. How long have we been talking for? Too long, too long. How I think long? Half an hour. Okay, perfect. So we're not always going to be talking about science stuff. This is a little bit. Oh, I quit. Sorry. What? I quit then. Okay, we, you could talk, we could talk about science stuff. Wow, that was easy. You're really easy to manipulate. Um, (gasps) No, we don't have to. Um, No, I'm just saying that that's not like the majority of our content, I wouldn't say. So if you love science and you're psyched about what this podcast episode, you know, you should lower your expectations of us. We're not always going to be talking about science. Unless there's a demand for it, which, you know. That's fine. Um, Next episode is going to be about our mud room okay and i'm looking forward to when we get to talk about the mud room and that's going to be more about personal experience um with the off-grid another thing i did think we could uh do in the future maybe down the road but not too far down the road is come back to this topic because there was another aspect of it that i thought would be interesting to get into which was the idea of um do solar flares affect us in ways other than what we've 
described here. Yes, yes that no. came up in a conversation. Mm-hmm. We were hanging out with people who like to talk about astrology, mm-hmm. and you had nothing to say. And I pointed out that you were more interested in astronomy mm-hmm. and solar flares and such. And they said to you, okay, the first comment they said to you was really hilarious, which was. Well, I, I, we don't have to get into all that, but. Um... Okay, well, I just led up to how funny it was, and then you just said you don't want to say what it was. So now I'm not well, I don't remember because I don't remember. Okay, well, I was like, yeah, you know, Eric's really more science minded than astrology minded, and uh, this very, very nice um, human being. We're not putting him down. It just was really funny. Um, turned to Eric and and said um, something to the extent of, "So I guess you don't believe that everything is connected, then?" Right. <laughs> and Eric said, that's really vague. I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> anyway, but what was, but when, then we said something about solar flares and someone turned to you and said, what was the other thing, the funny thing that they said do to you, th- you? Well, it wasn't funny, but it was, you know, do you think that humans are affected by solar flares? And I answered the question in the context of, you know, the science stuff that I've been talking about and... You know, the answer is no. You just said no, right? I you just said, straight out no. said no. I did it was say, like, is he going to say anything else, or is he just going to say well, no? I, I said no because the. I mean, it, there's very, very low risk. I mean, if you're in in a plane or you're in the space station, you might get like a, a, a dose of radiation, but you're not going to. Well, it means, so but wait, but I was so yeah. I was. That's the point. Is like. I answered that question from the scientific perspective. Right. And only after I left did I realize, oh, she meant like in the like uh, metaphysical. Uh, did she? I think and so. And also it made me wonder if like, uh, is there something going around on TikTok right. or something about solar flares affecting you? And I feel like there is. I definitely hang out in those algorithm circles and I feel like they're definitely, I have heard things about people saying the solar flares are affecting us. Like just in the same way where like the full moon is affecting us, which it is on some level, like it's really bright and it keeps you up at night. And that sort of corresponds with this idea of like the full moon makes people feel crazy or wild. You know, I think there, there is, I obviously believe in sort of this imaginal realm where there's, a, you know, reality and and the metaphysical realm mix. I do believe in that kind of stuff. So what are you going to do? You can do some kind of research to see if solar flares actually affect people or what are you going to do? Oh, I don't know if I'm going to do anything, but we I thought we could delve into that uh, at a later time. Delve in, how so? Like delve into know. the conspiracy theory or I don't know. I don't have to figure that out right now okay, cuz we're not doing it right now. Out. Yeah, okay. That's interesting, yeah. Well, that's a good opportunity for and our two listeners to our ma our uh, moms to um Contact us and let us there, know if they want to hear about there's, it. There's quite a few more no, than that, actually. No, we have a few actually. subscribers. Yeah, there's quite a few more than that. So maybe they'll listen to this. But uh, it's funnier to be self-deprecating, Eric, so don't step on my joke, maybe. Mm. Okay, so oh, should, are we ready? Are we done? We're done. Okay, this is the outro. So this has been Johanna. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Johanna DiBiazzi. I'm Eric Mack. Our uncertain future.